Hey, Chris Manning here from Locked on Cavs. Coming up on today's show, Evan and I have an interview with Lindsey Gottlieb, the Cleveland Cavaliers assistant head coach. We talked to her on Tuesday the 22nd, so this is just as they were getting into the bubble. Um, she was quarantining at the time, so just keep that in mind. It's the, the timeliness of this interview, but I think it's a really insightful one. She was... Frankly, utterly fantastic. Maybe my favorite episode ever <laughs> that we've done. Um, and I think you'll learn a lot from her. And she's a very, very, very smart person to talk to about basketball. I'm looking forward to doing it in the future. Um, and, and hopefully in person when things get back to normal. But um, enjoy the episode. Enjoy this. We'll be back tomorrow. And thanks for listening. And um, stay safe out there. Wear a mask. And we'll talk to you all soon. You are locked on Cavaliers. Your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Cleveland Cavaliers select Darius Garland from Vanderbilt University. My, my, my. This call, the Kevin Love Show. We're joined now by Lindsay Gottlieb, an assistant coach with the Cleveland Cavaliers, who we're catching as she is starting her quarantine um, as the Cavs get in there in market bubble. Lindsay, thank you so much for coming on, and, and how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Um, this is a little bit of a strange feeling, just being stuck in the hotel. It's actually uh, my anniversary as well, so I got some flowers <laughs> from my Happy anniversary, yeah. Thank you, thank you. Pretty uh pretty amazing guy to be able to not only you know support me in this career journey but you know roll with the punches as as i had to go away and yeah. uh leave our little our little guy with him so it's, it's an experience but i'm doing just fine just as we kind of before we get into some basketball things and everything else going on i mean just what have the last you know I, it feels like it's been a year but i mean it's like six months at this point since the NBA season shut down and the Cavs have obviously been away what has this whole kind of experience been like for you in terms of you're trying to do your job, being back at home with your family, and just kind of being with, with everything just weird going on right now? What has that just kind of been like? Yeah, I mean, it's strange for all of us. I mean, you know, the first thing is as we talk about it and how it feels weird, like you have to acknowledge that, you know, there are people who have lost lives. There, there are medical workers who are literally on the front lines every day. So they're really the ones who are extending themselves for, for the rest of us. It's just, it's odd. It's like a bizarre time. Um, I've never spent so much time without traveling. I mean, we haven't left Cleveland in six months. Uh, I've never, you know, I've always worked obviously really hard, um, you know, since the day I graduated from college and been traveling and on the go. So it's been different to have a, a different pace. Um, so we, we've gone through kind of different phases with the Cavs of being six months away. We, we have done, a lot of zooms with the coaching staff working on various X's and O's projects. Um, we've connected with the guys, you know, early on in the quarantine, I was watching film with Colin, like all the time, you know, to keep him sort of engaged and, you know, he loves film, but at some point, you know, the, the, what can you do after six months, you know, without any right. new film? Um, then we had the, some guys back in market a couple of weeks ago when we did individual workouts, that was nice to get back in the gym. Um, but for the most part, it's really been a, a hiatus of the regular you know the everyday being around the team and so for me I've tried to get better 
um, while I while I can and how I can at home. And I've also tried to value the time with my family that I'm not used to getting. It's funny you mentioned Colin and Lindsay, since you work with him so closely on a day-to-day basis like you do, could you attest for all of our listeners and Chris and I both, and is he really as hard a workaholic as he gives off the vibe as? Like, it seems like the kid never stops working. Yeah, I was going to say probably more. Like, whatever people on the outside, like, he has, he has, I mean, it's not like hyperbole to say he has an insane work ethic, like insane, um, uh, really driven, loves the work, um, finds ways to, new ways to push himself, uh, is always asking me for more film, but also he's physically, you know, doing what he can do all the time, whether that's getting shots up or, um, you know, keeping his body conditioned or recovery. You know, he works hard at the recovery part too, which is important. He's just a really, you know, uh, driven young man. And it's, it's pretty, um, it's pretty, I think, inspiring to see just that type of work ethic. With you guys being separated, not in the same place, and, and having you know guys that obviously left the country, um, like Jetty Osmond obviously isn't coming back to the bubble. What has it just? What is it like as a coach when you're not able to be in the gym with players on a regular basis? Do not be able to talk with them on a regular basis. You're having to do everything virtually. I know in some cases there are players that didn't always have regular access to a court and to actually be able to get up shots or do any kind of on court work. What is that just kind of like as a coach? And how do you kind of make the most of of that situation? I just, I think the best word is uncomfortable, you know, coaches are, and, and really athletes, you know, we're just used to being around each other. I mean, for me, it's interesting because having come from college, um, like the NBA has more of a real off season where you like everyone goes away and has their own life. Whereas like in college, you know, the, the off season's gotten shorter and shorter where, you know, the players go home for three weeks and they're back for summer school and you're kind of constant contact. So for me, it was sort of a new thing anyway to, um, to, to have had an off season, obviously this one is really extended. Um, but I think everyone's adjusted. You know, the, the number one thing is connection um, and staying connected however we can. We've done, you know, group chats and text messages and Zoom calls. Um, JB's been really intentional, particularly with the young guys, about doing some, you know, leadership things and having weekly Zooms with speakers. And so you just, you find different ways to engage. Uh, I think when the when the quarantine first started and everything was like really much more restricted, guys had a hard time, you know, no gyms were open or anything like that. I think as restrictions eased over time, I think everyone found their way to what they needed. Um, and uh, for the most part, I've found that particularly leading up to this bubble, you know, we did a we did a week of in market, you know, workouts with with tests um, every single day so that we could come to the bubble. And I was, you know, I found that most of the guys were in pretty good shape. You know, we ramped them up to try to get ready for this, but it's not like they were sitting home doing nothing. They're professionals and they Mm -hmm. they know how to keep their body ready to go. You talked about how JB is really focusing in on the young guys. And it's actually, this is something I've been curious about ever since you really have come to Cleveland and joined the coaching staff. Um, You and Kevin Porter Jr. have a special relationship. How did that really come to be? And can you talk to us about why the relationship you two have is just so special to begin with? Uh, I think it's just really natural and authentic. Um, you know, I remember having a conversation with Kobe when I was, you know, in the works of, you know, considering the job and really I was talking to Kobe about asking him what type of value, you know, he, he thought that I could bring. And, um, one thing he was talking about 
just from having kind of researched my past is just the ability to connect different types of players and different types of people. And at the time, yeah, he actually referenced, you know, someone that they were looking at in the draft who, you know, he, he felt like just would, you know, maybe particularly connected to, to someone with, with, you know, maybe my personality. And sure enough, you know, on draft night, we end up, you know, being able to get KPJ. Um, mm-hmm. And so even before he knew me, I think I felt the connection, but really just from the day he walked in the building, he's so, um, I don't know, he's so open and easy to connect with for me. You know, we just, I think, had a, a kind of an unspoken thing right away. I, I just, I'm really interested in him as a person. And, uh, and, and we just had a natural bond. Um, but I think it's just about, um, you know, being willing and able to see beyond KP as a basketball player um, and just engaging him on the rest of his life and, and what matters to him. Mm-hmm. And I think because I was able to do that, um, you know, that's, that those are the type of people he connects with. And so uh, he's so talented. He's such a great and interesting young person. I'm just looking forward to seeing, you know, where his career takes him because I think he's got special things ahead. With him and, and obviously with Colin and Darius and, you know, Dylan this year as well when he's back and whatever rookie you guys add, how do you manage knowing when to push them? And it's obviously different for every guy, I assume, but when you're trying to push them to take on more responsibility, to do more stuff, to push themselves in new ways and also saying like, hey, like let's let's use this as a learning experience. Let's take a step back and kind of, kind of bridge that. How do you, over the course of a long season, and obviously they go into that with injuries, you'll have – Obviously, a pandemic has happened, and that's obviously unforeseen. But how do you manage kind of the give and take of pu- knowing when to push them and, and knowing when to kind of pull rein things in a little bit when guys are, are still so beginning in their careers and really just developing? Yeah, I think it's it's really interesting. I mean, it's an imperfect science, but you have to trust um, like what feels right and and the moment and read this situation. Uh, you know, one thing is we have we do have really you know solid veteran leadership on this team. Uh, obviously, K Love and and Larry and, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with Tristan and, and, and Delhi, but those guys that were, you know, were really um, important leaders. And at the same time, we're trying to bring along, you know, these young guys. So I think it's that balance of um, teaching them how to use their voices in the appropriate times, um, you know, teaching them how to uh, push when it's time to push and learn when it's time to learn. But I think when they, when they believe that there's an investment in them and that we're all on the same page in terms of, you know, we want to win here. We're, 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 you know, into the same mission. We have the same goals and everyone feels like, you know, we're pushing towards the same thing. And then you kind of figure out what buttons to push at what time. But I think the bottom line is right now, it's just about, you know, really um, building on that trust that I think JB established with them and understanding how important they are and how important the growth and future of this team, you know, is with them a part of it. And when you start with that, then I think they believe, they believe in you and, and know that, you know, as we push them or, 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 or prod them a little bit, that it's all, you know, to get to that, that goal that, that we all want, which is to become a playoff team. That makes a lot of sense. And you mentioned a lot of the, the guy, the younger guys and Colin and Darius, and we talked about KPJ plenty up to this point, but I'm curious, like you have two way guys like Matt Mooney, you have Dean Wade, who was signed to a longer term deal with the Cavs, but he was on a two way contract in between Cleveland and Canton. Like how do you guys approach coaching them? Because they're, they're moving around a lot. Like there, there could be times when they're in Canton and they get called right back up to Cleveland. Like that has to be a lot for them to go through. Like, is that a challenge for you guys to have to deal with that? And like, how do I guess I just, I'm just curious how this relationship works with a guy on a two way contract. Like how do, how do you guys coach them? 
Well, I think the first thing is, right, like establishing this culture that we're all part of something bigger than ourselves, right? Everyone's got, I have a different role than, you know, Antonio Lang, than Matt Mooney, than Kevin Love. But if we're all, you know, really bought into the fact that we're part of something bigger, that, that helps, mm-hmm. you know, from jump. And I think that, you know, that's really JB's masterful at sort of making it about the bigger, you know, the bigger picture. Um, then once you've done that and it's about the team and the culture, you have to spend time investing in individual people. And um, that's our job, you know, to make Matt Mooney and Dean Wade feel comfortable in whatever it is that, that their role is. And again, that's no different than, you know, getting Larry comfortable in his role, which is really different. And so um, we spend uh, time with them individually. Every, you know, every player has, you know, coaches or multiple coaches kind of assigned to them. So, um, you know, we have someone who's with the two-way guys. I've spent actually a lot of time with Matt Mooney uh, this summer, you know, the workouts he's been here. Um, but, you know, pe- Dean Wade has people that he's connected with. So the idea is you want them feeling really comfortable with what, you know, we're running. Uh, and so that, you know, I think JB wants a real connection between Canton, you know, coaching staff and our coaching staff as well. So then they go to Canton and they're getting good reps and good minutes there. And, you know, they're fluid and ready to come, you know, when they, when they need to come back with us. So I think there's two parts mm-hmm. to it. There's the technical aspect where they have to you know, be on the page with the stuff we're running. And then, you know, as you mentioned, there's the emotional aspect. There's a different, you know, mindset to, to being a two-way. Uh, and we have to provide them the resources that they need to, to really excel in that role. Hey, everyone. Evan here. Chris and I will be right back with our conversation with Cavaliers assistant coach Lindsey Gottlieb. But I wanted to give a quick word from today's sponsor, Built Bar. As you know, at this point, Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. And they're back and improved with an even more deliciouser, lineup of flavors and we already have the 12 original flavors such as coconut almond raspberry german chocolate peanut butter banana bread mint brownie salted caramel double chocolate orange toffee almond coconut and peanut butter brownie but there's six newcomers including caramel brownie cookies and cream cherry barcia lemon almond cheesecake carrot cake and apple almond crisp built bar is great for the health conscious guy or gal they help you lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat the bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and great for those on a keto diet or as a type 1 diabetic, they're great for me as a sweet treat that doesn't make my blood sugar go out of whack. In terms of classics, one of my favorite flavors are peanut butter. They have 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams of net carbs. And in terms of the newcomers, I love a good food pun, and I also love the taste of Cherry Barcia, which has 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. If our listeners go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get $10 off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And if you order fast enough, you can get a free cool to purchase. Again, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. In all of the the basketball you've watched during the break, whether it's the WNBA, I saw you live tweeting the the Mercury game the other day, um, the, the yeah. NBA games in the bubble. Whatever you've watched, is there any, are there players? Are there schemes? Are there teams that have that have popped to you? For sure. I mean, I think at this point, you know, with the NBA, you know, you got the best teams standing, so you're a fool not to watch and and see. Okay, what is it that makes them who they are? And it doesn't mean you have to try to mimic it exactly, but I think you can learn and see. Okay, why? You know, the thing that pops to me is the Heat. You know, and their mm-hmm. culture. The guys will talk about it. You know, Jimmy Butler was talking about it the other day the competitiveness, the the unselfishness. You know, their their defense. They don't have you know, quote unquote, the biggest superstars, although they have a lot of great, you know, players, but uh, Mm -hmm. I think that really stands out. Um, 
obviously, you know, Denver, I listened to a great podcast the other day um, uh, with Tim Conley, you know, of the Nuggets talking to Woe, just talking about how he built the Nuggets and, and understanding that that timing is a lot, you know, to it, but obviously they're a smaller market building through the draft and through key moves. So that's something, you know, that resonates with us. Um, So try to learn, you know, something from everyone, but I would say probably the Nuggets and the Heat stand out the most in terms of, you know, where I've just spent a lot of time thinking about their success and, and, you know, I don't know how I can learn from that. And then same with the W. I mean, once again, I think just in basketball, if you're shutting off any type of basketball, then then you're not learning as much as you, you can. And so I'm a huge fan of the W and um, it's been fun to watch, you know, those games. It's a kind of a weird playoff system with a single elimination in the first couple of games that adds a different, you know, level of intrigue and, and drama. But, um, but I also feel for the coaches, you know, um, and I have some former players on those teams that I've watched really closely. Um, but it, to me that, that what has stood out there, I mean, there's a lot of things that have stood out, but, uh, Cheryl Reeve is an unbelievable coach. The Minnesota Lynx, you know, obviously they're without Maya Moore for the second season in a row, who's arguably the best player in the world. Uh, then their mm-hmm. current best player, Sylvia Fowles, gets hurt, and sometime, somehow they're still a top four, you know, team, and, and, and she gets the most out of her draft picks. And so just sy- systematically watching them has been really interesting to me. Um, but also just watching the development of young players on, you know, the aces. I think yeah, just, uh, you can get, get something from, from everywhere. So I've been watching a lot of basketball for sure. Yeah, even the before we go back to that, but even just like watching a a, a a kind of bad Liberty team that doesn't have Sabrina Yescu for a lot of team, like you at least saw a team that everything was above the foul line. Like they were spaced out, they were trying to at least run a system and committing to that. And I I know yeah. just from observing the Cavs the last couple of years, when sometimes that can be really hard. Like that when a team when things get rough and and it gets a little mentally challenging, and you've guys and people and women coming in and out of your your team for whatever reason or, or people get hurt it's I can't that's not an easy thing to kind of withhold that shape to your team when when especially when a big piece someone like Sabrina Nescu is is gone and like for the cat like the Cavs right. the last couple years no Kevin Love you even someone like KPJ missing time last year that takes something out of your rotation a little bit well I think yes the the, the long-term like kind of system what are we trying to build um and, and how is it going as as you're moving along that path? How does that kind of juxtapose with, you know, wanting to win this second right now? Um, and so uh, the Liberty are interesting because actually someone was asking me the other day from our staff here about, you know, analytics in the women's game. And the women's game has not gone to the five-out spacing, you know, complete reliance on the three ball as much as the, the NBA has. There's more of a still pure post play back to the basket, throw it inside mentality, but the Liberty are trying to play a little bit more like the NBA plays. And it it wasn't successful this year, but hard to know is that, you know, they were so young and and as you mentioned, Sabrina getting hurt. So, you know, just, these are the questions I put myself through. Would I, would I stick to that plan and and say, okay, we're not going to win games now, but it's where we're going in the future. Or do you make an adjustment so you can win some games now and keep people, you know, motivated? It's it's a hard question. Um, And rebuilds are hard. Uh, and there's definitely times where you have to take measurables that are not only on the scoreboard. And at the same time, you know, these are competitors and everybody wants to win. So you can't put that carrot out there so far away that they don't see the, you know, the, the fruits of their labor. Cause then you start losing people, you know, in terms of buy-in as well. So that's a, that's a really interesting question. Um, and I, and I definitely, you know, I don't think there's one exact answer, but I think it's something really interesting to think about. Clearly, you're a student of the game, Lindsay, and like you said, you said it best yourself, if you're not watching, you're not learning, and clearly, like, you've been watching a lot of WNBA play, a lot of NBA bubble play, and 
I feel like I should ask you, are you taking these notes that I'm sure the rest of the, the coaching staff you work with are as well? And are you incorporating this and, you know, analytical data and everything else just to, you know, kind of build a plan? So when you do start minicamp tomorrow morning, um, you guys are able to hit the ground running on saying like, okay, well, we're going to take an analytical approach at this and maybe like try a few things that we see are working in the WNBA or maybe they're working in the NBA bubble and you just try and incorporate this. So when the season does come back for the Cavs and it could be December, it could be January, who knows at this point, um, you guys are prepared. And like, like I said, like you're clearly a student of the game. So I feel like that has to be advantageous and a part of just the staff as a whole's approach to just building this roster and becoming a playoff team. Right. For sure. Um, I think there's there's two main objectives from this uh, opportunity that, that we have together. I mean, the first one is is really just the the bonding, the reps, the time together. I mean, that's what I think the eight teams who weren't in Orlando felt like, you know, we missed out on. We have such a young team that the more games we can play, the more five-on-five situations, and the more time we can spend together off the court is really important. So that's why, you know, this organization has made an investment, um, you know, oh, in, in, in putting us all in a bubble and spending the time and money to do this so we i think we're going to get a lot out of it from that standpoint uh you can already feel that you know um the second piece is you know jb didn't get a training camp you know as as the head coach he took over mid-year and so it's a chance for him and our staff to kind of put some things in now um and, and just like you know principles and priorities and and have the players already have that in their head but it's also a chance for us to to try a couple things um uh, you know, I mentioned we had done a, a, diff- a number of X's and O's sort of projects. Uh, so JB would give, you know, me looking at, um, you know, all of our, you know, pick and roll defense and how it compares to the league um, and give someone else a different project on, you know, something else, our, our turnovers or the turnovers we caused. We all did kind of mini projects and it was great. And, and everything in basketball now is weaving together, you know, analytics and the numbers mixed with the personnel we have and where we think we're going, you know, and kind of putting it all together and saying, okay, this is how we want to, you know, try and, 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 and play pick and roll defense. This is how we want to try and, you know, play in transition offense. So I do think this camp is about not trying out a million things, but kind of looking mm-hmm. at a few things that JB feels might be good for us. And then we have them on film and now we have however many more months until we play again to really dissect that and say, okay, yep, this is it. This is, you know, what we're going with and we know we can get better or do we tweak something? So I think this, this camp will be invaluable to be able to look at, look at some of those um, systematic things and, and how we want to play going forward. But, but look, I mean, JB has been in the NBA for over 20 years. He's got a lot of ideas. I'm sure he's watching the playoffs and he's taking things in, but he, you know, he's seen it all pretty much already. And it's just a matter of finding the right fit for these guys and, and the, the systems and stuff that will maximize our potential and our personnel with this team. You mentioned JB, and you mentioned you talked about some of the other assistants, but uh, a guy that, and I know he was instrumental in bringing you to Cleveland, is Kobe Altman. He's kind of more or less obviously less public facing than you as coaches might be. But what is he like to work with as as an executive, as the guy who has? A di- I mean, obviously he's shaping the roster a little bit more. He's kind of has some f- the financial aspects of this to worry about. But what is he like to kind of work with when you when you guys are crossing paths and kind of collaborating on things? Yeah, well, I mean, I can tell you, and I've told people, like, I wasn't just going to jump at any NBA job. This was unique. Um, this, you know, Kobe was so much kind of in a different place than any other NBA, you know, executive that that I might have spoken to along the way in terms of the way he envisioned, you know, me having a, a role here. And so, you know, I was really appreciative of that. And then being here, 
um, it's been really neat to see his style in action. You know, he's collaborative, he's progressive. Um, he's always trying to think of kind of better ways to do things. Um, and I'm, I'm lucky that, you know, I have, I have a great relationship with him. I felt comfortable. I've learned a ton, you know, that everyone here has sort of em- embraced me and the fact that I'm coming from a different, you know, avenue, um, and, and made me not only feel included, but that, you know, that my ideas and opinions, you know, can add value. And so, um, it's, it's neat to see him create a culture here that, um, fits, uh, that mentality that, that he brings. You actually, this is a great launching point for my question. You mentioned your transition to the NBA. Um, how has your transition gone from coaching? You know, you're a head coach at Cal for eight years, correct? Uh, yes. Okay, so you're there for eight years, and then you take the leap to join the Cavs as an assistant coach last season. Um, how has that transition gone, you feel? like? I'm sure it's just, you know, there are some differences and some similarities as well, and I think myself included like maybe we just don't really understand the full scope of what that transition's yeah. been like yeah i mean it's it's i mean complete transparency it's been like totally wild right i mean you go from college to the pros from west coast to east coast from women to men from being a head coach to being assistant coach and then you throw in a coaching change in the nba and a pandemic mm-hmm. um so i'm like okay now i'm ready for anything's got to be smoother than this right um <laughs> But, uh, but it is what I signed up for. You know, I knew, I knew it was going to be really different. And I don't necessarily mean just like the basketball, you know, like the basketball is kind of the biggest comfort zone, I would say. And the relationships with the guys is my biggest comfort zone, but it's, you know, you turn your life upside down and, and that's, that's what I signed up for. I knew it was going to be a challenge and, um, out of my comfort zone. Uh, I had been a head coach for 11 years, you know, three at Santa Barbara and then, eight at Cal and it's just, it's a different role. Um, it's a different, uh, I think the biggest change was like the, the rhythm of the season. So, you know, I, I coached women's college basketball for 20 years. I could tell you like the back of my hand, like what October looks like and then what a game day looks like. And then a game week, and this is how you prepare it. Well, you know, the NBA is completely different with 82 games and far less practices. So acclimating, you know, sort of just to a change in everything being, like clockwork for me that, you know, as it had been, that was the biggest difference, but I, I anticipated that. And it was, it was really neat to try to, you know, adjust to it. I, I already feel, you know, way more comfortable just walking in the building, you know, with, with what it's going to look like and feel like and what my role can be. Uh, and I would, I mean, I think anybody at a certain point in their career, you know, when they have gotten to one point to be able to pivot and take on a challenge, I think is really rewarding. This is like basketball heaven, right? Like, People are talking about basketball all the time, um, how we can get better and human relations, how do we get the most out of players and, and, and give back the most to them. And um, I, I, I really love it, but it's, I would be lying if I said it wasn't a challenge. Is there anything you miss about coaching in college? Um, I mean, sure. Like, here's the thing about leaving something you love. Like, it's not, nothing's going to be, you know, a, a 360 degree, oh, you know, everything there was terrible and everything here I, I love. Um, I had a life that I really, really liked, you know, I, I uh, there's just a different, you know, college age, you know, young people, like they come and sit in your office and, you know, it's, it's two hours before practice and they have, you know, an hour in between class and they just kind of sit and hang out. And, you know, there's, there are things that, that come with it. And the, you know, the, the literal impact you're making on people's lives in terms of giving them a scholarship to college and, you know, helping them to set themselves up for everything else. Like, you know, those are, those are things that I really took pride in. Um, 
you know, and, and things that, that are unique and, you know, I, I miss some things about them. On the other hand, um, I, I think that uh, there's so many things about my day-to-day here that I'm challenged by, that I love. This idea of, you know, how do you impact these guys who, who actually also want to be helped, you know, in other areas of their, of their lives and, you know, and finding ways to do that without them being college kids, you know, without the, the same type of, um, I don't say control, but like without the same, you know, avenue every, in every single way. Um, I think that's a good, good challenge. Um, I, I think that uh, the absence of recruiting has, um, and the absence of the, the way that recruiting goes and it sort of becomes like more about the rat race of that than about the actual coaching and relationships. Like I'm grateful for that. And it allows me to pour into exactly what I'm doing without always having to think about the next thing or the next person to call or the next class. You know, you can be a little bit more present in this world. I feel like I'm more present with my family when I'm not working. And I feel like I'm more Mm -hmm. present in exactly what I'm doing right now every day, which is, um, it's actually, uh, it's, it's very freeing in some ways. Um, so uh, I do, I do, you know, miss certain aspects of the old thing because I loved it. And at the same time, I feel like I'm right where I'm supposed to be. Uh, and I'm, it's just an incredible life experience. And I, and I think I'm getting better every day. And, and that's really gratifying. No, absolutely. And now that you've jumped towards coaching at the NBA level with the Cavs, can you kind of elaborate for us how tasks are delegated and how connected relationships with the coaches are because we spoke with jb not too long ago and he talked with us about how kobe included you guys function like a well-oiled machine where everybody knows their job and everybody is working together and constantly communicating and you've alluded to it as well but i guess i'm just curious if you could just walk us through what that process is like and how tasks are specifically delegated to each coach individually yeah, well, I think JB is um, really a phenomenal leader. Uh, and I think that a sign of a really good coach is that you can't ask the team to have good chemistry and be all about, you know, the goal if, if the coaching staff doesn't reflect that, right? They mm-hmm. have to see it, you know, from the leadership model. And so JB's done a really good job, I think, you know, making it clear that like every, it doesn't really matter what your role is, right? If you're young and new, if you're the analytics person, if you're the player development person, if you're you know, uh, an assistant coach that we're all, you know, here to kind of get the job done and, you know, check our egos at the door. Um, and I think that, that creates a more seamless work environment. Um, but one thing that is really different in the pros from college, right? Like college is NCAA rules. And so only certain people can literally step foot on the court. So if you're a video person, you can't be on the court. If you're operations, you can't be on the court where it's a little more fluid in the NBA. So we have a bunch of staff people, you know, some with title of assistant coach, some with title of player development, some with video, but we can all work with players, you know, and we are all in the staff meetings. And I, I really think it's our goal to understand, you know, JB's philosophy and what we're trying to do and be able to kind of extrapolate from that and find ways to make our players better. So, you know, there may be a workout where, you know, I'm working with Dylan and we're doing all um, shots and cuts and movement out of a, a small section of the offense that I know we're going to run, just getting mm-hmm. him comfortable in that. And then there's other times you're watching film of just that player, right? Like, hey, this is, you know, you got, we have to get your footwork a little bit tighter in a certain area, or we have to, you know, with Colin, we'll watch his decision-making. So they feel, you know, like it's about them and their improvement, which it is, but you're also fitting them into the larger picture. And, and that, then I think that's where, you know, assistance roles really um, come through because we have to take, you know, JV's bigger picture and make sure each guy is ready to, to, to do their best in that system. 
Um, but in terms of other responsibilities, uh, you know, last season, I think um, the 82 games were split up amongst, I think, four of us doing doing scouting reports. So I had about 20 scouts that we played the full 82. Uh, and then we have, you know, video video person helping us with the film. And there's, you know, another coach helping with kind of end of game situations and special situations uh, as well. Um, so I would present, you know, the scouting report on those days that it was one of my um, one of my scouts, um, everyone's kind of participating in practice. Uh, you know, JB's running the show, but we might have a breakdown drill or something. And then players are assigned to different coaches and you're doing your, you know, what we call road work. Like you're, you know, you're 15 minutes before practice or you're 15 minutes before the game, uh, kind of shoring up any film or anything that's going on or that night's scouting report, you know, what type of shots they're going to get that night. So there's a lot of hands-on, you know, touching, touching the guys. And then there's, uh, more kind of big picture philosophical scouting report type stuff as well. Lindsay, thank you again so much for coming on. Our last question here is just looking ahead a little bit. Obviously, no one exactly knows when this season's going to come back. <laughs> um, it's, just, it's just a big unknown right now, and it feels like the date moves all the time. But when you think about NEC, the 2020-2021 Cavs, whatever the, the designation of that team ends up being, what is something you're really looking forward to, to actually getting to build on on court again in games after last season obviously ended so unfortunately? Oh, so much. I mean, I can't wait to get back with this team. I think, uh, number one, I think just continuing to grow in that style of play that's representative of, of JB in this group, right? I think we started to see it like, you know, unselfish, happy for one another, moving moving the ball around, being hard to guard, different guy every night kind of thing. I'm looking forward to seeing that evolve. And, and I really just um, also want to see, you know, what type of identity we can forge defensively. You know, obviously we, we were not a good defensive team last year um, and, and want to see if we can kind of buy into that end of the floor and grind some games out that way when we need to. Uh, and then also just like the mixing, you know, you alluded to it earlier, like these young guys kind of coming into their, their own in terms of not being a project for the future, but being the here and now integrated and mixed in with, you know, the, the, the veteran you know, kind of star power that we have with, with Dre and, and Caleb and, and Larry and, and the guys who have been here for a while. So I'm just, I'm looking forward to all of that. Getting back to work. That's what, that's what we need to do. There yeah. You go. I, I can't imagine considering how much of your time and your brain power and your life has just been like on a basketball court coaching players. And it's just, I can't imagine it's like, I don't like, what do you like? Did you pick up any new hobbies during the last six months? Like, what do you do with all this? I know you have a, like a, a child at home and everything, but like, did you pick up, yeah. like, did you watch a bunch of movies you hadn't got this? And like, what do you do when you, when you don't have this in your life? Right. Well, so the thing is like, you never don't have it in your life. It's just taking a different right. form. So it's a little bit more film and things like that. But I, I kind of joked at the beginning, I felt like, you know, when, when shelter in place and quarantine happened, it was clearly if you're following social media, like quarantine without kids and quarantine with kids and the quarantine without kids are like, my friends were like, Oh, I've learned to bake and I'm learning a new language and I'm doing this. And, you know, quarantining with kids who were like, I'm trying to make it to nine o'clock tonight. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I would say that uh, I haven't taken up a new hobby, but I also have been like chilling, watching movies a lot more, you know, a lot of good time, you know, with, with my son, um, a lot of uh, being more present at home, but also just like finding time from a basketball standpoint and a work standpoint to do the stuff that's always pushed to the side, right? Like if you're, if you're in like that next mode and they got to get ready for the next game and do this, you don't kind of take on that 
let me read this article about spacing that I'm putting off. Let me really look at some of these analytical numbers. Let me pull up my film from, you know, Tara Vanderveer at Stanford and the cut that she ran. Let me compare that to, uh, you know, the, the, the spurs from a couple of years ago. And like, so I've been really able to kind of dig into to some more nuanced basketball stuff that I've put aside. And, uh, and I've been, you know, I still don't cook, but I've joked, to my, I've joked with my husband that, like, I'm kind of sort of a housewife, although not really. <laughs> Lindsay, thank you so much for coming on. Um, good luck in the bubble. Good luck working forward to seeing how it plays out, and, and thank you so much for your time. I'm, I'm best Again, hopefully everyone stays safe and healthy, and, and you guys, you know, everything goes well. And, and I'm, Selfishly for us, as people talking about this team and writing about this team, we're very, we're very happy to have something – new as opposed to like watching basketball on TV and as I'm sure you are and being very longing for, uh, for something in the in market to kind for of sure. I, I hear you. I, I appreciate it. We're gonna we're gonna enjoy the time that we have and, and make the best use of it and you know hopefully in a couple months we'll be doing it for real where where everyone can watch. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Thank you so much. Yes. Thanks for having me. Talk to you guys soon. Talk to you soon. Bye bye.